Hello, my name is Ben Jenkins. Welcome back to another episode of the ACN podcast, the official podcast of Australian College of Nursing. Today, I'm joined by Shauna Wilson. Shauna is an exceptionally active member of the ACN community. Shauna is the co-chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Working Party, is a member of the Men in Nursing Working Party. Shauna is an enrolled nurse and she has helped to establish and is the chair of the Enrolled Nursing Community of Interest. And Shauna is a transgendered woman. We start today's episode by talking about Shauna's journey into nursing and particularly starting the profession at a later age in life. Uh, Shauna talks about her career to date, whereby she raises some uh, topics of some of the challenges that enrolled nurses face and why she has gone on to help to establish and, and lead the enrolled nursing community of interest. Shauna then shares her story of and her experience experiences of transitioning into being a transgendered woman. What I love about today's episode is, again, just hearing how strong of an advocate that Shauna is for diversity and inclusion. It's so powerful coming from Shauna. And what I loved hearing is about her work environments and just how accepting that they have been. I particularly loved uh, a spot right towards the end of today's episode whereby she talks about her current working environment and talking about the diversity of professionals that she works beside and how that has gone on to develop a working environment whereby she just loves coming to work each day. And she touches upon some of the things that, in her opinion, nurse unit managers could be doing and and being able to establish this type of working culture. So... I hope you enjoy today's episode with Shauna Wilson. Shauna Wilson, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the ACN podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Ben. No, it's uh, so, so excited to have a chat to you today. So Shauna, you are an exceptionally well-respected and active member of the ACN community. You've shared your story via a powerful speech at the 2018 ACN National Nursing Forum. You've written articles for The Hive, which is the ACN's uh, quarterly magazine, uh, and you particularly share your experiences of being a transgender nurse. You are a strong, strong advocate for diversity and inclusion. And just some of those things that you've done, you're a co-chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Working Group. You're a member of the Men in Nursing Working Party. You've helped to establish and you're the, the, the chair of chair, uh, enrolled nursing interest. You're doing so much of this. Why? remaining exceptionally clinically active as an nurse. So again, I very much appreciate your time being on today. So Shauna, I'd like to start the episode today by learning about your journey into nursing. Well, to start with Ben, um, I'm not the, uh, the typical of, I've always known from an early age that I wanted to be a nurse. Um, I decided that I wanted to become a nurse uh, just before I turned 50, okay. and I'd been um, oh, probably nine years earlier in 2005, I'd um, been discharged from the Army, um, and I took on a civilian role with Defence um, and found that after performing that role, for which was an exciting role to start with, um, I was, wasn't getting really that um, job satisfaction yeah. anymore. It, it became a bit like Groundhog Day that I was going in and doing the same old job, um, talking to the same people, which they were okay. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that such a bad thing, but it, I wasn't 
no longer being fulfilled. Um, so I was conscious of the fact that, as I said, I was approaching 50 and that if I was going to make a change, that I needed to do that before I turned 50 because I knew that once you cross that mid-range, mid um, it's that much harder to gain employment, especially in a, in a new career. Um, over the course of the time that I was doing that civilian role for defence, um, I'd You've already touched on it, but I'd made an enormous change to the person that people obviously see today. Um, I'd been discharged from the Defence Force for acknowledging and accepting that I was transgender. Um, and this, of course, at the time, failed to meet the service standards. Um, and that's, uh, although too late for me at the time, this policy was, has since been changed, that members can actually transition and maintain their service with Defence. Um, I moved out of... Uh, that area and I thought okay as part of my transition over the course of my transition which was at the time 18 months there was what used to be called the Harry Benjamin um, nursing care for transgender and you had to go through this life change process and meet with psychologists and psychiatrists and endocrinologists and a surgeon who performs the surgery um, and because of the multiple procedures that I'd had over the course of my transition, I had intimate access to nursing mm. and found that um, although my procedures that I was having were not your everyday procedures that a lot of nurses get to see, um, there was no judgment, there was no um, step back from the nurses. Um, they were so supportive, they were passionate, and I thought that that was exhilarating to be, a, to be a part of. And I thought, okay, I think this is a path that I'm going to take and, and, and really enjoy and be, find that fulfilment that I've been, yeah. been chasing. Um, so I came home from work one day and sat down with my husband, who was my um, partner at the time, and said that I want to be a nurse. And he sort of, sort of took a step back and thought, oh, okay, well, this is, this is coming out of left field. Um, I was an executive public servant in defence, so I had complete autonomy over my work. I could come and go as I pleased. Um, I was earning a ridiculous amount of money. It gave me the freedom to do whatever we wanted. And as, you know, nurses sort of don't earn great deals of money, so... There was a question mark, okay, well, this is a big move, um, but he saw that I was passionate about it and we were in a position that it was okay um, that to, to leave that safe environment and take on this new challenge, um, let's do it. So we did. I, um, I thought at the time that the degree um, was too long for me to... Um, okay. Basically, I didn't have enough leave to take to do the, the degree and still have employment. At approaching 50, I couldn't see myself working behind a bar, tossing drinks and bottles around to make cocktails and everything. So I decided to do the diploma and I had enough annual leave and long service leave to take the whole 18 months off at half pay. So I still had money coming in. I could focus on all my studies. Um, I didn't have to worry about anything else and bills and anything. And that proved to be um, a brilliant idea. 
because I was concerned that because I'd been at, I'd left school in 1978 and here I was in uh, 2012 I'd only gone to year 10 so I hadn't gone to tertiary education and that as an adult I was walking into this tertiary environment uh, thinking am I setting myself up to fail um, but to my credit I, I treated my time away from the education environment as if I was at, uh, at the, that environment so I'd wake up in the morning I'd be at my desk at, at nine o'clock in the morning. I'd stop at ten fifteen. I'd be back there at ten thirty. I'd stop for lunch, and I would I'd treat it just like a normal school day, and I'd made sure that I'd do a minimum of schooling uh, after my husband came home from work, of, of at least two hours. Um, unfortunately, that went on to sometimes one o'clock in the morning, uh, <laughs> as it does. It always does. <laughs> But I reaped the rewards from that. I finished my diploma with 17 high distinctions, uh, five distinctions and two credits. So that um, achievement gave me a good standing that I actually, I was passionate. And when I went to school yeah. as a teenager, I didn't like school. So to be able to come out with, with that acknowledgement, that, um, those marks, uh, I was so proud of myself. Yeah. And I thought, this is amazing. Okay, this is a career that I can throw myself into. So... I graduated as an enrolled nurse in June 2014 and uh, during some of my placements I found that making inquiries about grad positions for enrolled nurses, we weren't at that point seen um, as uh, hard to say, it's hard to say it, but um, they couldn't see the benefit of providing a grad, uh, a grad position or a grad um, schooling environment for transition for enrolled nurses. Um, I did my one of my acute placements at a, a major hospital in Melbourne, and I was lucky enough to attend a, a graduate um, presentation day there. And I made inquiries to the clinical education environment and said, "Well, we're about to graduate. What grad position applications have you got open?" And I said, "Well, we've got 120 for registered nurses, and we've got two for enrolled nurses." Oh. And as I made more inquiries about that, because once I graduated, I sent emails to every single hospital in Victoria, every um, service provider. Um, I sourced out the point of contacts, the, the director of nursing of all these hospitals, and very few actually were hot, um, had grad positions for enrolled nurses. So um, I decided, well, as you, you graduated in enrolled nurse mm. and registered nurses, you panic. I've done my schooling. Am I going to get a position? Mm. Am I going to get that grad, grad position? Fortunately for me, um, and it, it, for me, it became um, not what you knew, but who you knew. Um, so the director of nursing of the first hospital I worked at, um, her husband used to work for me in defence. <laughs> so... It, it worked out well for me. But in saying that, when I present to um, graduating enrolled nurses, um, it's, I, I tell them that a grad position is not the be-all and end-all. No. Um, and that, that is the same for registered nurses. Don't hang up your, your stethoscope if you don't get a grad position. Exactly. So um, the passion was still there. I, I was able to get into the, um, the geriatric evaluation management transitional care planning rehab environment 
Okay. Um, and as um, I also tell enrolled nurses that are graduating, don't enter the workforce with the attitude that I don't want to work in aged care. Um, as you would know, we're an aging environment. Unless you are going to work in paediatrics, you're going to work in aged care. The only thing that's going to change is, is the setting. So uh, I found working in that gen environment, it gave me a good grounding for the other environments that I would transition through my now six years uh, in my seventh year of nursing. Mm. So um, you, it gave me a basis to learn my clinical skills. Um, to, and diabetes is, is another area that I, I struggled with during my schooling, but through working in an aged environment where um, type 2 diabetes is, is so prominent, um, that gave me a better understanding of how to manage diabetes as well. So um, I've, since that time, unfortunately, that time at um, and the gym ward came to a halt uh, as I was in a, a motor vehicle accident. Oh. So I didn't work for two years. So I thought, well, just prior to that, I, I decided that, okay, I've now got my diploma. I'm now gaining all this knowledge. And when we... As we get older, closer to our retirement age, my husband and I decided that we're going to go rural. And I thought, as a registered nurse, I'm more attractive as an employee. So just for that reason that I would go on and do my bachelor. So I'd started my uh, bachelor with Charles Darwin University uh, online. Mm. And I got through the first semester and then found... My marks continued as they were in, in the diploma. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm coping this, I'm managing with it. But then as I got further along in my rehabilitation for my car accident, I found that I would definitely struggle with um, the practicum for, um, I think it was 28 weeks. Um, so I, I had a plan in my head that I would just focus on doing all my theory units. So I did that and I was passing all of them um, I still couldn't go and do any, any uh, practical work, but it came time that I had to do practice. I had to go and do a sim block, and the fact that I could not return to my previous working environment made it um, impossible for me to continue on with my bachelor. So I uh, withdrew from the bachelor, much to my heartbreak, <laughs> I really wanted to finish it, and I had to then find an environment that would accommodate um, my injury while still being able to be in a clinical environment. And fortunately for me, um, Medibank Private, who were the, um, at that point, uh, subcontractor or contractor that managed all the mil military health bases uh, across Australia, were advertising for enrolled nurses. And I found that in that role, it was basically... Um, practice nursing in a military environment. So a lot of my work I could do either sitting or standing. Mm. So that allowed me to manage my triggers, my pain triggers, and still perform the role in a clinical environment. So I, I wasn't losing those skills because um, I, I was quite conscious that the longer I was outside the clinical environment, the more difficult it was going to be to get back into it. So I... Enjoyed that. I did that right up. I did that for 18 months. 
Um, and then, unfortunately, defence changed the contract and um, the amount of enrolled nurse hours that they wanted to go forward on that contract um, wasn't enough to keep all of us employed. So um, I took a redundancy, which I was happy with. It It, it, it was shattering at first, but I, I accepted that that was out of my control and out of um, the contractor's control. So I started to look at another environment that I could possibly work and still maintain my clinical skills. And an area that I'd never thought I would be able to enter into was um, community nursing, hmm. uh, especially the fact that I, I hadn't been in the subacute, of intense subacute or acute environment for some time. And here I was to be let loose into someone's um, house with the only support I'd have would be someone at the other end of the phone. Um, fortunately for me, um, I'd had enough grounding to be able to carry that uh, limited knowledge that I had uh, into that role. And I did that for approximately six months. And we were heading um, overseas for a um, three-month holiday. And I thought, okay, um, I don't know, so I was casual with the, the contractor at the time. I thought I'd like to look for something a bit more ongoing. And, and um, John Faulkner, my current employer, were advertising for enrolled nurses in the, um, oncology. And again, that's another environment that I never thought that I would ever, as an enrolled nurse, be allowed to work in. And I thought, well, look, if you don't throw your hat into the ring, you're, you're never going to know. So prior to leaving, I, I um, applied for a position and then... The, uh, the email that came through for an interview um, came within a day of it closing before us actually heading away. So I thought, oh, okay, I've got no time to actually prepare for this. That was way too quick. I thought maybe the interview might be after I came back. Um, but I quickly did some research on, the, uh, on, the, on John Faulkner and their values and the ward and the role of the enrolled nurse in that ward and I went on the interview and it went really well. I've, I went away from that feeling so positive. And we went away on our holiday and we're in Hong Kong and I received an email from um, the nursing unit manager. And it started with what, what, what sounded like an apology. And I thought, oh, okay, that's it. I never got the job. And what it, what it was was, I apologize for not getting back to you sooner. I would like to offer you a position and that just like made the rest of their holiday just amazing, knowing that I could, when we came back, that I'd be able to come back into full-time employment and in an, a, an acute environment. And to top it off in oncology, which um, was just amazing. Yeah. Um, I've been able to, to go on from there. And I've been, now been there, well, I started there in July last year. And the... The knowledge that I'm gaining from that will take me pretty much anywhere I need to go. Beautiful. It's, yeah. um, and what I've learned from that environment also is that there is no RN and EN on this ward. Um, you're a nurse. You're capable of doing everything that each of us, each other's doing. Um, so there's, there's always someone next to you saying, do you need a hand? Um, if you'd like to know more about this, just ask. And 
yeah, it's it's brilliant. And I I'm now 56 as of two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, the the plan is that when I'm looking at retiring in my early 60s. So although I'm late into the nursing environment, I would like to leave something when I do leave it. And that's why I'm passionate about advancing the enrolled nurse um, position in healthcare in Australia. And you've since gone on to strongly advocate for that within the Australian College of Nursing. And now you are the, the chair of that community of interest for enrolled nursing as well. So again, when you're exceptionally passionate about something, look out, look, look what you can do. And that's what I love about the Australian College of Nursing as well. If you, if you feel so strongly about an area that the community is so supportive of you, and this is you strongly standing up and saying, we, we need to talk about this a lot more, and this is where you are today. So what's some of the things that is happening within that uh, community of interest that you have helped to establish? Well, um, unfortunately, as with... Um a lot of the community of interests, um, the environment that we've just been coming into has taken, or that we have been through, has taken, um, has pretty much monopolised all the efforts that all of us um, have done. So to be able to hold um, meetings and look at avenues to advance our, our individual communities of interest, um, COVID has taken over the platform of, of anything that we've, we've really been able to, uh, to venture into. Um, but now that that is, um, well, we're now down to, I think, 10 days of zero cases in Victoria. Um, so the, the direction that I'd love to take the enrolled nursing um, community of interest is to look at um, addressing policies that organisations have that um, don't reflect the scope where enrolled nurses are able to go and work within their scope of practice. Uh, when I did my oncology um, module one, I was informed that um, there are only two um, organisations in Victoria that actually allow uh, enrolled nurses to do oncology. And that one is my employer and another one is Oscar and Leon Gappa. I've, see, I've since found out that I believe um, Monash might uh, allow them as well. But I'd like to address why that's the case and why um, other um, public healthcare organisations and, and other private organisations that do have oncology in their um, uh, system don't look towards enrolled nurses. Mm. So... I'm looking to attach or speak to the policy department and so I'm looking at interested members of the enrolled nursing community of interest to assist with that. Mm. Um, also, I'd like um, some feedback from a lot of the enrolled nurses on where they would like to see our, our education advancement goes. Mm. Um, currently, we have the advanced diploma of nursing, which feedback I've received from other um, members, other enrolled nurses in other states, that organisations are lacking to take um, that qualification with much um, enthusiasm. That it, it, they don't recognise it as much as what it, what it, what it's what it stands for. So, 
there's and there's also very little um, in the way of advancement for enrolled nurses. Um, we we can't be ANUMs, accept that, but we also there's no um, clinical advancement either for us. As I said earlier, that um, we for us to advance. Um, for recognition-wise, we need to go on and do a bachelor, and everything above that seems to be based around having that bachelor behind us, not just the diploma. Um, yeah, um, there's other avenues that I would like to that I'm looking at, but I don't want to sort of put too much on my plate at one time. So, um, with everything else thrown in, um, I'm also writing my autobiography, so that's sort of. Oh. In the, in the background, <laughs> trying to, when I find time, do chapters of that as well. So, yeah. So, Shauna, it's obviously there's quite a lot of challenges happening in that that space of enrolled nursing. So, thank you for standing up and being such a strong voice for for that community as well. Can't wait to see everything that that comes about that in into the near future. Just rewinding a little bit and talking about some, you've spoken of the challenges of even just starting off listening to the highs and lows of what you've described you've come from your area where you had that that feeling of you know what this maybe not might not be the career for me prior to entering nursing you've gone through your transition you've found some absolutely what what sounds like it life-changing nurses for you who have provided such exceptional care you've then come into a profession and unfortunately you've had that motor vehicle accident it's gone up and down up and down but from what you what you've mentioned throughout is that you is you love your career and that is so passionate and that is so good good to see let's go back to that piece for where you're talking about through that transition period and then you're entering into that into the workforce what were some of the challenges that you faced at that time regarding diversity and inclusion i think the, the biggest um problem i i came um to and i I'd gone through my, I'd chosen to go on through my transition with, within the workspace. Um, and a, a lot of uh, women that go through transition, they think that they'll go through their transition and then find a job. And that's not necessarily successful in quite a majority of the cases. Okay. I'd, I'd elected to give my new um, colleagues a, a, a minimum of 12 months to get to know me as a, as a person. Um, what makes me tick? What makes me laugh? Um, how do I work as a, as a team member? What I can bring to the organisation? And I found that by doing that, when I um, approached my su uh, supervisor director at the time, um, he he was fully supportive and accepting, but he said, all right, well, there's all these policies of equal rights and opportunities and, and I'll send out a letter and I'll demand that everyone needs to accept you and has to abide by all of, all of these policies and everything. And I said, no, please don't, don't do that because that would be like telling a 12-year-old I'm your parent, do as I t tell you, and that's the end of the stories. They'll do it, but they'll resent you for it. And as an adult in an adult environment, and I had transitioned in a, a, a military environment, although it was um, a combination of civilian and military, but a lot of the um, 
the civilian members are ex, were ex-military and they had been in the military for 30 years. So um, when I um, commenced in the Defence Force back in the, back in the 80s, um, bastardisation was an accepted practice. So when I transitioned into this new environment uh, in 2005, there were still learnt cultures in the minds of, well, I expected there still be learnt cultures in the, in the minds of some of these older um, members of, ex-members of the uh, Defence Force. So I was concerned about that and I thought, okay, what, what can I bring to the table to make this easy for not just me, but for them as well? So I'd, I wrote everyone a, a letter and I sent it to, out to approximately about 250 people that I had either worked directly or indirectly with in that environment. Um, I'd organised for a, um, a post-transition uh, female to come in and do a presentation and I was going to take two weeks off work and I was going to have some changes through that two-week period and then they could have they would, would have this forum and they could ask any question that they'd like about me, what changes I was going through. Um, and in that letter, I answered roughly five usual questions. What toilet am I going to use? What do they call me? Um, uh, how am I going to dress when I come to work? And to my surprise, I found that over uh, probably 167 of those 250 people attended that forum um, because they wanted to find out what's happening to their friend. Why, why am I going through this? Um, what's my state of mind? The only, uh, the only question that really um, caught me off guard that I was fed back to me, um, and we're all nurses so, and we've seen a lot, so this is nothing new to us. One question came from one of the older ex-Warren officer um, men, and he said, am I going to have my monthlies? Am I going to be moody? <laughs> and that, <laughs> I thought, okay, I did not expect that from you. <laughs> so, of, of course, there was, a, there was initial silence, but obviously there was a little laughter after it. Um, and the response was that, because my mind for nearly 45 years had been um, told, this is how you need to behave, this is how you are, this is where you need to present, and all of, all of a sudden, thrown into the mix is all this hormone, hormonal um, HRT medication, and there are times that, yes, I did have these modes, moods of depression, but because it, they all understood that there was going to be these changes and that there was, were going to be uh, occasions that I wasn't going to be able to come to work. Um, my reactions to comments and communication may not have been what they'd expected. They were prepared for that. And the uh, support that I received on my first day and ongoing from that, just purely because of education, um, was just blew me out of, out of the water. And for the next 
probably nine years that I was working there, that it never came up that I was transgendered. Everyone knew me as who I was mm. for that, that period before I commenced my transition, and that's who they saw. I may present it different, but they saw me as me, and there was no judgment, there was no criticism, nothing but support. So that uh, makes it easier for anyone with from from any direction that they're coming from, whether it be transgender, whether it be gay, whether it be from a different culture. Um, understanding and acceptance can make everyone's environment that much safer and happy to, to be around. And why would you not want to be in that environment? Exactly. And be a part of that. So, yeah, that's, that is something that um, I acknowledged and I went around and thanked all 149 people yeah. that were working directly with me um, for that personally rather than put out an email because it was it was an individual um, acceptance uh, even though it was holistically uh, around my environment so yeah I don't know whether I went off track there but <laughs> no no exactly right and it's good getting your perspective as well because uh, obviously as you've mentioned and you've raised with your colleagues that you're working with obviously being curious and what a strong platform to be able to ask someone who has gone through that process and just get honest answers and just just obviously clear up exactly the questions that they had whilst you were away and then as and then getting from your perspective now obviously you're feeling nervous of how of how you're you're coming back in as well so that is such an invaluable uh perspective that that you're able to to provide so thank you very much for sharing that shauna well i i, I saw the the difference of how um from an, an external, well, through my, through my eyes of being um, hidden, my, my confusion and my secret and everything was hidden inside, how society as a whole, where I was working and living um, at the time growing up, how unaccepting it was, how, how dangerous it was for so many people that um, to actually then, 20 years later, um, put myself in that position and see how defence had changed. The, the culture um, the culture did change with um, uh, same-sex de facto relationship acceptance in defence. That came before the, the change of policy with transgender in defence. Um, but just see, seeing how that, that changed and just became normal in defence. And I, I figured that if it can be considered normal in defence, which has such history and uh, of being uh, so macho and, yeah. and, and this is how you're accepted as a soldier or a sailor or air crew, um, to see how that changed and morphed into um, a new safe environment was just incredible. It was amazing. And so you describe now, Shauna, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, you underwent this procedure and this transition whilst you had members who you already knew for, for quite a long time. And it's so good to hear that they were so accepting and that they, they, they were accepting for you, for being you. Have you continued to have that level of acceptance throughout all of these other career moves that you have made? Well, since... Um since my transition, I've, I've only held 
the two different job roles. One is the, the defence public servant and the other as, as nurse. But um, just in other areas that I've um, been in, invited into, even if I haven't been a part of, there you, ha you haven't been, oh, here's Shauna, she's transgendered. Um, you're just introduced as Shauna. And yes, there's probably that little white elephant in the room. Um, but at the end of the day, if there is concern or a problem, it weighs with them. Mm. <laughs> They're the ones that have oh, to exactly with right. Um, so I, I, I don't know whether it's because of how I managed my own transition in that I never tried to model it on anyone else's. It's, it's an individual journey. So I, I took charge. I took control. I'm not a flag waver. I, I don't um, have a rainbow flag in my front garden. Um, I don't... I have several gay friends, but I don't... Um, I'm not involved in the, in the gay community. Uh, for, for me, acceptance, I, I saw it as an individual, not as a... Um, a leader of the trans community, but I wanted to be seen by society as a woman, a female. And for me also, um, and this sort of, it was difficult to put across to some uh, people that I had come across that as supportive as I was for same-sex marriage, my um, feelings was stronger that I, I knew I was going to get married again and I wanted that to happen for validation as before the same sex marriage equality act was, was brought in. And my friends accepted that, my family accepted that, that there was a bit of selfishness in there. Um, but that hasn't, that never harmed any relationships that I had both personally and professionally. Um, and it still hasn't to this day. Um, I've, um, I'm in a, a motorcycle organisation, um, uh, which is made up of ex-firefighters. I was a country firefighter for 10 years as well. And there was nothing but acceptance in that environment. The fact that I'm a, a bikey <laughs> um, is nothing. Uh, no concern to anyone. People I meet down the street. Um, I... As long as I don't force myself on people, I find that no one cares. No one really, really cares what your your background or history is. It's only an issue if you want to make it an issue. Yeah. Um, uh, recently, I actually um, had a patient approach me and I was asked, what pronouns do you like to go by? And I've never had that question asked before. I, I do know that when some people introduce themselves, they'll introduce themselves and I go by he, him, she, her. But I've, I've never actually used that myself and I've, no one has ever asked me. And this person was a patient and I said, she. And the smile on her face was just amazing. It just lit up the room. 
And then she went on to tell me about her um, involvement with a, a trans person. And she just, our, our relationship, our, our patient um, nurse relationship just blossomed because of that. I've had a, um, a elderly male father of a, a patient ring me back after discharging his son. Um, on his way out from the ward, he'd said, oh, thanks, mate. Mm. And I think his wife must have said something to him because he then rang back the ward later that night and apologised for referring to me as mate. Um, I assured him that that was, was not of concern. Um, I've had some patients that have been curious, but it hasn't hindered our working relationship. There's, there's been no animosity um, from them. Um, they thought it was fantastic. And it's just, nursing is, is amazing to be in that environment to, to get that. It's just, it's beautiful. It's yeah. so good to hear. Now, Sean, I, I've, I've come across a, quite a powerful quote. Um, I'm going to oh, read yes. the direct quote to you from Diversity Australia. Yeah. It says, including LGBTQI employees is a vital component of a comprehensive diversity and inclusion strategy. Successfully recruiting, retaining, developing and advancing LGBTQI uh, employees helps organisations uh, compete for effective talent, minimise attrition costs and better access LGBTQI consumer markets. That's obviously a bit of a lengthy quote there, but I had a few takeaways from this. I guess the first is the topic of diversity. It is by establishing a culture of diversity uh, that there's going to be a gender balance of recruiting uh, who you identify, whether it's Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, whether it is transgender, whether it's any member of the LGBTQI community. It's all about having that diverse workforce. And the more diverse of a working environment that you have, the more experiences and perspectives that you can draw upon, which is only a benefit to the team. Uh, it's the second takeaway I have. It's not simply about recruiting of LGBTQI staff. It's more about the investment in them is by developing and advancing these employees and providing opportunities to excel. And I guess the final bit of the, the quote talks about minimizing attrition costs. And by the sounds of everywhere that you've worked, you've had that culture where you felt accepted and you felt as part of the team and you felt supported. Uh, I can only imagine uh, that these members are going to, to want to stay for that organization. So I know I've sort of talked a bit there, but I'd love to get your, your perspective on, on this quote as well from Diversity Australia. Well, firstly, I 100% stand by exactly what you, what you say, that um, any absence or um, reluctance to promote and partake in a diverse environment. Um, by doing that, you're, you're failing to capitalise um, on the benefits um, that an organisation organization can can gain from, from that. As you said, um, it's been proven, there's tangible proof um, in a working environment that, that does partake in um, deep diversity and inclusive uh, activity that the, the positive impact that it has on the productive output of, and this is not just in nursing, um, but just the team cohesion, that everyone feels part of that team and accepted. Um, but in nursing, the, um, there's patient satisfaction that everyone's happy, everyone's um, willing to work alongside each other and, and 
that, that passion is transferred across into their care as well. Um, I currently work in an environment that, um, and this is probably the first of the, the four environments that I've worked in, that uh, it epitomises diversity and inclusion. Um, it consists of nurses, doctors, um, allied health, kitchen staff, cleaners from many cultures, uh, vastly different age groups, um, individual sexual attractions, if they're, if they're open about that, gender identity, myself inclusive. Um, every member of this team, whether it's in direct healthcare or indirect healthcare, um, brings their own individual life skills and experiences and both professionally and, and personally um, to the table and that just makes it a delight for patients to want to um, partake in their own care, uh, for staff members to just turn up to work every day. Um, I, I can't speak for all the members of the team but um, I've stated on many occasions that this, this is an environment that I I'm, can't see myself ever leaving until I retire. It's, there's, um, I live on the western suburbs of Melbourne and where I work is in the Northern Corridor. And Western Health uh, have plans on building a, a large public hospital in Melton just down the road. And for me, that's probably about 15 minutes to get to. Whereas I currently drive 35, 40 minutes to get to my other job. And people have asked me, wouldn't you, when this hospital's built, move over there so you're closer to home? And I've, I've constantly responded with, I couldn't, it would be stupid of me to leave this environment, this, this happy environment, this inclusive environment, this diverse environment with a, a numb that leads from the front. Um, it's, it's so hard to find a, a culture in, on a ward or in a, an environment in nursing that is inclusive, that, that is passionate and accepting, that there isn't this historical um, bit of narkiness that sometimes can, be, can appear um, in, our, in our working environment. Um, I'm not leaving this <laughs> John Faulkner. I, I think it's an amazing place to, to work. And the staff around me um, just embody that. And it's just, yeah, it's amazing. Really and, and so, Shauna, from drawing upon your your obviously the, the the ward that you're talking about now, and drawing upon that nurse unit manager and what what they're doing to to make this workplace such a positive place to be working within, what are some of the strategies that they implement in order to make you feel this way, make the team feel so accepted within this inclusive environment? I mean, job satisfaction is built on mutual respect, except respect, acceptance, and understanding. And if you um, recruit that, then that's what you're going to be um, displaying to your patients as well. Perfect. Shauna Wilson, thank you very much for your time being on the ACN podcast today. Thanks very much, Ben, for the invitation.